Hello and welcome to this week's returning French Football Weekly podcast. Um, as is always the case, when one slash two of us is away, the whole operation falls apart. Of course, I'm joking, but uh, myself and Phil are back from our prospective holidays. So I shall check in on Phil first of all. Nice time? Lovely. Absolutely lovely. Also, uh, the Olympiakos Stadium is very impressive. Especially against Spurs. But yeah, I won't go there. Yeah. Good. Was it was it just Greece you went to? Yes. Well, Greece oh. and, and London. And oh, Colchester. And Colchester. I Hardly mean, counts. But, don't, don't, um, don't not Colchester, you know. Fine, <laughs> fine football team. But uh, yeah, we'll put that to one side. Well, I'm glad you had Bexley. a good time. Um, yeah. <laughs> Welcome back. Um, and also, uh, returning are the lads, of course. They haven't been anywhere. They haven't been on holiday, so I can't ask them anything interesting. But <laughs> good evening, Jez. Good evening, Rich. How are we all? Very good. Thing. Colchester is very nice, actually. I will really? speak up from my local town. You, you could be yeah. the new spokesman of Colchester. Um, and Jez, you can take Brighton, I think, if you like. Please. <laughs> oh, I'd much prefer that, frankly. <laughs> yes, yeah. Brighton is, Brighton is a good old time. Anyway, uh, we're, of course, here to talk about things, uh, certainly not in the UK. Um, we're here to talk about things French, certainly in the footballing perspective, anyway. Um, now, as you probably would have imagined, dear listener, a lot has happened in the, uh, the weeks that we've been away. Um, we're not going to go back two weeks because, frankly, we would literally be here all night. Uh, we might be here all night anyway with the amount of things we've got to cover, uh, basically for the last sort of week slash 10 days so um first things first we're just going to run down the results from last weekend's action uh and then sort of touch upon the games midweek and then we're going to pick on a few clubs to talk about in amongst those two batches of results are you with me listeners good right let's crack on then so strasbourg and not got the uh, weekend of the 20th of september underway so six days ago strasbourg winning by two goals to one in that one i come from behind win could have putting on to front before leonard and an ajok penalty in the last minute getting the points for strasbourg much needed at that particular point in time as well first win of the season for them i think yes. that was it says here on my notes they, uh, they have been struggling, I think it's fair to say. So much-needed home win as well for, for the faithful. Um, a, a rather ill-tempered game got us off on running on Saturday as uh, Phil's Montpellier drew one <laughs> in the velodrome. Uh, Bounissar poked through his own net before Valais-Germain equalising, and three were off in the last minute. Uh, Bruno de Camara, Dimitri Payet, and Jordan Ferry, of all people. Uh, all yeah, three. Ferry starting a rock. I, I mean... If you were going to look at those two and say, what side would you want to be in, in a rumble in a car park? I think you'd pick Montpellier right now, but I wouldn't have picked Ferry as the guy to throw the first punch. So no. there you go. Two, two goals struck off for Andy Delort in that as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Both reasonable, but, you know, annoying. bit of an issue. Yeah, yeah. yeah nevertheless annoying. Uh, so a draw in the opening game of the Saturday fixtures. Uh, and then as we went into the evening games, the, uh, the trend continued initially as uh, Ram and Monaco drew nil-nil. Uh, more on both clubs in a moment. Mets, unfortunately, going down, uh, unfortunately for you, Jez, anyway, going down at home to Amiens uh, by two goals to one. But better news was to follow. Again, more on that in a moment. Uh, Girassi and Debassi. <laughs> Sounds great, doesn't it? Uh, with a goal scorers for Amiens, for the old one back for Mets. Uh, Bordeaux and Brest playing out a 2-2 draw. Uh, home side uh, coming, or 
going ahead and then coming from behind. So Jimmy Brion putting them in front for Samuel Granser, remember him, uh, getting the equaliser for Autre and uh, and then a late, well I say late, so 20 minutes to go, Pablo giving the equaliser for Bordeaux and a 1-1 draw there. And there was a lot of woodwork in that as well. I think um, a couple of late... Um, it stayed interesting in the in the in the um, last fifteen minutes with a couple of pings off of various bits of the goal. Um, so that was uh, interesting as well as high scoring. Imagine if they hadn't have made goalposts and crossbars rounded. Once upon a time, they were actually squared. Yeah, goal. we we have an article on the site in the history section about that. There you go. See, it's almost like I was plugging things I didn't even know existed. <laughs> <laughs> it's a superb article. Was it written by you, Jess? Yeah, it was. <laughs> <Just> terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, shameless. Absolutely shameless. Uh, do go and read that, though, listeners. Um, we also saw Nîmes getting uh, a win over Toulouse, um, who continued to Toulouse at that particular point. Diakati saw red after Filippotu, Florian Legend, of course, getting the winner for the home side in that one. Uh, and finally, on the Saturday, we saw Nice beat Dijon by two goals to one, a watchless Casper Dolberg with the uh, equaliser <laughs> have Julius yeah, Ravarez. That's Ed so Durfman. weird. Yeah, have you seen the latest? Apparently, oh, uh, well, how, why can they just say, we think this 18-year-old nicked it? I was like... Yeah, but it, it was the reaction, not that he ever. went public about it. I mean, you know, I can understand... You know, things like surely things like that stay in house, don't they? I mean, like he was refusing to play at one point. I read. I mean, that's like not great when you're a new signing and you're one of the marquee signings of the new era, is it? It's not not ideal. But yeah, suggestions are culprit has been named and shamed, and um, we'll all move on happily. But yeah, we'll not know. But Yusuf Atal's absolute rocket uh, getting the winner for Nice in that game. So certainly on the pitch. Better times for uh, for Nice. It really was a quiet goal. If you haven't seen it, do look it up. Uh, on the Sunday games, we saw uh, a one-all draw between Rennes and Lille, which I'm sure Rich was delighted about. Maybe not. Uh, Jonathan Ikone, um, he's a lovely player, I must admit. He got the opener for Lille just after half time before Adrian Hunu equalised for the home side to play out the draw. Um, we saw a bonkers game in the sort of early kickoff on Sunday. St Etienne went one 0 up away at Angers through Nordin before um, Andre went a bit nuts. In particular, Casimir Ninga. Yes, Jonathan Pierce, that's Casimir Ninga. Not Ninga. <laughs> Casimir Ninga, he's a winger. Yes. As we used to say in Montpellier. Not, not Casimir Ninja, as, as BT Sport were referring him to. Well, I mean, seriously? You know, trick. What do we expect? That was fabulous. What was it, 11 minutes? 11 minutes. <laughs> and, and this is Ooh. a promised a lot at, at um, originally when he broke through with Montpellier. Montpellier, thank you, before he went to Cannes and it all went a bit wrong, albeit injury was, was a big factor, I would say, in, in that development. But maybe this is the springboard to, to see the good in him once again. Um, raw pace and power and a hat-trick. Um, we will touch on St Etienne in a bit because that is a, a, certainly a story that cannot be left Ooh, yeah. touched. So we will come back to them shortly. But cracking win for Angers and if you put any money on them to come from behind to win by three clear goals, you'd have won a lot of money. Um, you may not have won a lot of money for picking out a win for Paris Saint-Germain though. Uh, you would have lost a lot later on. We'll come on to that. But they did beat Lyon uh, in the Gripon Stadium or the, um, the, the Lyon Stadium if you will. That was on the Sunday night, and uh, who else but Neymar with one bit of genius 
um, Jez, I, um, I was, I was referring to him as a pillow, wasn't I on, uh, on Twitter. Uh, I was trying to say pillock, but auto trend. <laughs> well, this was, I mean, given, um, when, whenever he was trying to take a corner, he was getting shit thrown. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. I think it worked out quite well that by the time he scored in the 85th minute, everyone had run out of stuff to throw. Yeah. So that kind of worked out. But that was, um, he scored with their 21st shot of the evening. Yeah. And, 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 and OL had one shot on target and that came after the goal. Yeah, I th- we'll probably drill Lopez didn't have many saves to make, though. No, I, I just I, the thing that the thing that bugs me. I know we'll come on to OL, but just the one thing that bugs me about that performance is they basically set up to not be beaten. And the trouble with that is when you do that, if you can see the goal, particularly with minutes to go, you've You're lost. Screwed. It. Yeah, and, and there's nothing you can do. So I just it's just a bit negative. I just yeah. I want to see them. I want to see teams go at PSG like certain other teams did yesterday. Yes. As we saw, um, just a, a slight mention that on Saturday we actually had a, a different OLPSG game, which was the, I think, the first time the women have had a Trophy de Champion. Um, and that ended 1 1. Uh, Majri getting the goal for OL, Nadim equalizing for PSG, and then OL winning on penalties with um, Sarah Huhadi saving two so that was um that was quite fun i was watching that while uh, man city were putting the first five past watford um thinking oh yeah i'll come back to that game later nothing will have happened bang um but yeah so that was um ol have got their first trophy of the season uh, in that before understandably we can all imagine um laying waste to everyone in in all other competitions in all european competitions yeah amazing isn't it a trophy at this stage of the season but i suppose it's not dissimilar to the league cup in england um but yeah eight nil and, and they call the french league of farmers league my god <laughs> anyway um so that was the the weekend's action as i say we will touch on some teams individually in a minute but i will now just run through the midweek games and then we will start to to pick apart our subjects for the evening so uh breast and uh, Leon played out. Uh, sorry, I'm skipping ahead. I'm skipping ahead. I'm, miss- I'm missing out Tuesday. I do apologise. Uh, Dijon, Marseille, nothing to see here. Nil nil. Uh, I believe it was wet. That's about all I can say. And Dijon still to win. Yes. No, no wins on the board. Uh, Monaco no. did it. Um, yes. Later they- on that you'll mention, but Dijon are the only team left without a win. Yeah, the team that everyone can call pointless. It always sounds more harsh than it really is. But well, they have two points, but that's bad. Yeah, that is bad. Yes, winless is, is, is indeed the correct terminology. Pointless makes it sound like they have nothing. I won't be that mean. Um, but yes, points on the board indeed for Monaco, which um, was much needed, one would suggest. Uh, they got a two, uh, sorry, 3-1 victory over Nice. And Nice was and then. Um, and I can't remember the exact quote from you, Jazz, on the tweet, but I did like it. Um, even Alexander Golovin scored, not once but twice. Uh, he's still a thing. Um, but yes, two two goals for Golovin. And uh, with Sam Benyeda, of course, scored. I mean, you know, he always does, doesn't he? Um, he, had his best, he had his best game for Monaco by a million billion miles. Yes. <laughs> and how their first win. 
So yeah. there you go. Yeah. Much needed for coach and players once it's back. But yes, good win that for Monaco. Again, we'll come back to that in a moment. Uh, now, back to where I was previously. Uh, Brest and Leon drawing out, uh, oh, playing out, sorry, a 2 2 draw. Um, quite a good game, this actually, to, to watch. I caught the second half. Anyway, Moussa Dembele putting Leon in front for uh, court equalised for Brest. Max Cornet put Leon back in front before the aforementioned court got the 85th minute leveller uh, to uh, wild celebrations from the home side. Um, and they put up a real fight. I, I thought they were slightly unlucky, maybe not to come away with, with more. But it's, it's these sort of games that maybe don't expect much from um, claiming a point and Leon continue to sort of hobble a little bit. As I say, we will come back to them uh, in a mo. Uh, another team we will talk about is Nantes, who also got a 1-0 victory on the Wednesday night. Uh, sorry, Rich. Uh, Ren going down. <laughs> I call to nil. Uh, Toure with the penalty with 13 minutes to go with a winner there. Better news for you, though, Jess. That man again, Dial with the winner, has met one at St Etienne. Um, I defy you to tell me you saw that coming. No, you didn't see. Silence. Um, it was one of those games, though, where I, I think it was yourself, Jess, or might have been Rich, one of the two of you said that um, there was um, one, of those, one of those games where if you could have thought two teams could have lost one game, this probably would have been the one, but uh, but no, it was indeed Mets who came out with the one goal win, as did Montpellier. So good night for you as well, Phil uh, Suke, with the winning goal for Nima. Is that his first since signing? I believe it. Uh, I think so the was, there was some absolutely uh, fabulous uh, tifos in that game, and I I suspect there might be a fining coming in relation either to the tifos or. Uh, the pyro, because um, I think they they put up a tifo which showed the Nîmes Arena on fire uh, with a, a kind of caption that said, "We will reduce you to ashes." Mm. <clears throat> Not uh, ideal. <laughs> well, it's 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 apparently it's the most uh, kind of violent derby in France, <laughs> which. <laughs> It's kind, kind of, of weird, camp. but that's history for you. Yeah. But there we go. <clears throat> Nevertheless, a 1-0 win for, uh, for Montpellier um, in that game so, okay, with that goal. So, uh, good good result that for them. Another poor result for Toulouse, though, as they lost to two last-minute goals from uh, Alioui for Angers. Uh, well, the 88th, technically, and 90th. So, two minutes to go, two goals. Um, to hold out that long and then lose two goals, that's got to be... Pretty sickening, I would suggest. We may touch on Toulouse in a mo. Um, that man, uh, Osim, Osimen, I can never say his name properly. That's going to bug me. Um, he got another goal anyway for Lille, as did Loic Remy, um, minus his uh, dashing spectacles. They beat Strasbourg by two goals to nil. So Strasbourg, having won that big game against Nantes, back to defeat this week. Um, Bordeaux winning 3-1 away in Amiens, despite going behind to Erste Mendoza opener. Uh, Yassine Adli, remember he, of, uh, of, of sort of PSG Arsenal wrangling last summer. Um, he signed for Bordeaux. And uh, he got two goals in this game, as did Kalu with a late goal, or 73rd minute anyway, to seal the points. 3-1 victory for Palo Souza's men. Uh, and finally, and I think this is probably the best place for us to start our drill down into clubs, uh, PSG nil, Ram 2, uh, or Reams if you're uneducated. Um, or Ras if you live here. Yes, indeed, yeah, if you are culturally uh, better than I. Um Okay, let's uh, let's have a chat about this one then. Um, Jess, let me come to you first of all. 
see this one coming? I'm sure you did. <laughs> uh, did not see it coming. I mean, you could argue, looking at the PSG lineup, that there was a very outside chance because it was a very changed lineup, including um, a couple of little kids, uh, people playing out of position. Um, the, the midfield that has looked so good for the last couple of matches not playing but still there was still something like nine or ten internationals um, starting Ras had a few players out as well um, it was not good enough I mean as usual take nothing away from from Ras who, who as you alluded to earlier actually went for it and, and played excellently but PSG just did not look interested. Um, there's a, a Lily user, a regular PSG tweeter, kind of said it was it was as if it was a Coupe de la Ligue tie. Yeah, that's what it felt like. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, yeah, it just it was not. There was there was no fight there. I don't know what the issue is. I mean, when it is fringe players, you'd ex- you surely would expect them to to be showing a little bit of fight to be taking the opportunity show that they should be considered more regularly for, for first team places but there was nothing there and, and uh, I don't I don't know exactly whether the issue is one of or both an issue of motivation or and I do think this is actually the case that when you scr- even despite them being internationals when you scratch away the the surface and the and the sort of normal starting lineup there's actually very little truly quality depth in there but mm. that said they should, still should be beating fast at home okay mm. it, it could well be an issue if there's sort of injuries and suspensions later on in the Champions League but they should be beating Haas at home and it was not good enough and just to make a quick point about Navas apparently Ariola had a man of the match <laughs> performance against Real Madrid and I I do like Navas but I really don't see that he's any better than Ariola. and I think um, first goal definitely secondly was a you know great volley and, and in off the post but Navas starting position was standing inside the goal Mm, so, very off-speed, uh, that was. For me, he was kind of he was at fault for both goals as well. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it was a, a kind of a weird situation where I, I was watching. Um, John Johnson said Mbeso um, at right bank, who was kind of a left field choice. He's an eighteen year old. Um, they had Munia on the bench, and apparently Mbeso had like a torrid, torrid time. Um, in the the first half, the first hour, and they brought Munia on to replace him. And it's like, well, what's the point doing that? But it's it's this weird situation where it's just as it looks like they're like, oh, we don't we don't bother. But it's teams like Raus and Strasbourg over the last couple of years who've pushed them the hardest. You look back two games this time, and PSG only beat. Strasbourg 1-0, where Strasbourg at that point hadn't won a game in the league. So, it was a bit, possibly a little bit indulgent, complacent, whatever, and now if Chupamoting is hurt because he was taken off, mm. um, they don't have a centre-forward going into next week's um, 
uh, Europe game uh, where they'll be away at Galatasaray because Cavani's out, Icardi's injured, and Chupiraging is now hurt. So yes, they've I think got Cavani and Mbappe both back in training. Yeah, right. so talking about Mbappe will be fit. I think Cavani. I, I guess it just depends on his. He hasn't got age on his side, but you'd think Mbappe will be right for that. I but guess. it's like if you're having to check every time the depth. It's like. This is actually kind of a weird situation for a big money team to say, "Have you got a centre forward to go away to to, to go away to Turkey?" I mean, it's a it's a slightly strange situation. It is, yeah. I want to do. I want to do that. Makes no sense whatsoever. Um, I would like to give some praise of what I was trying to say there to, to Ram. As I said earlier, I really did think they they played cleverly. They, you know, they yes, they did sit deep at times. Yes, they did rely on a little bit of luck, but um, and the fact PSG were off colour, but they played a clever game. They took the chances when they could and and, and fair play to them. But just, just on PSG again, because of course that is the story here. How much pressure, Rich, is, uh, is Thomas Tuchel under here? Because there's a lot of big name coaches that are either available or potentially likely to be available quite soon. And uh, no, I'm not talking about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Um, what, um, what, Sorry. Sort of, what sort of pressure do you think they're under it, or he's under it, you know, to, to perform this season and get it right this season? Well, he's coach of PSG, so you, you're always going to be under pressure, no matter no matter what. You, there's even you know from day one, there's a level of expectation. You will be winning this, 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 and this domestically, and you will be performing to this standard in Europe. Um, now you could argue that they didn't achieve their ultimate domestic goals last season, but I don't think PSG particularly care about the, the domestic goals. It's all about the, the, the European scene. And yeah, they didn't, they didn't achieve anywhere near where they wanted to achieve last season. So the pressure is straight back on Tuchel to, to get it right in Europe. Now, obviously game against Real Madrid got it spectacularly right, but ultimately the group stage has never particularly been a problem. Um, you know the, the the problems for PSG will come. Um, you know once once uh, once the turn of the year comes around and we're into the knockout stages. But yeah, I mean it, as, as pressure goes, I mean results and performances like we saw last night against France and yeah they got the fortunate win um, the previous home game against Strasbourg. But you know they're already they've already lost two games this season. You know it's normally been pretty much title wrapped up before we've seen mm. a two in the loss column for PSG. I think um, uh, we, this since last not, year not, they were eight we're points seeing... clear. And that's I don't, that's a huge difference to now be even and at the top of the table. Well, sorry, go on, go on again, Rich. Yeah, so it's, yeah, so for, for me it's the performances like this and results like this are only going to add to the pressure um, that, that Tuchel is under. You know, yeah, injuries won't have played a particularly big, uh, will have played a, a factor on this. Um, but it's PSG ultimately, and I don't necessarily buy that as an excuse domestically. Um, as just said, you know, they still managed to put out a team that was more than capable of beating Rouse last night. And, and again, it's just they just they just didn't seem interested. No, you know, they, they had Mbeso, who we saw in the summer at um, I believe he was at the Toulon tournament. I think 
Uh, and he, he looked really, really good. A really prom- another really promising young player at PSG. They've, they've, they've reintroduced him last night and played him at right back. I mean, he's a centre back and they played him at right back. It, it was needless. You know, they had, as, as we said, Mounier was on the bench. Arguably, he's perhaps not much of an upgrade at the moment because he's had a dreadful start to the season. But you've got a right back on the bench. Why damage that confidence of that young player yeah. by playing him out of position? Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the the players last night, yeah, it was it was the attitude of the players that that was not great. I don't think particularly anyone from PSG looked as though they were giving a damn. Were were putting in the maximum amount of effort that was was needed. Um, but you know, I mean, let's we'll move on to Rams because you know at least there's a there's a positive side to this this uh, this section. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll stick with you for a minute on them. I mean, what what's very easy to say like a team is is overperforming i think it's probably fair to say that that is the case with with ram what is the key to their success at the moment do you think like what, what do you put it down to i mean they're eighth in the table for for a club that that a lot of people don't even know exist outside of the french game in terms of you know following what what are they doing right is it just about balance? the first ever european cup finalists Naturally, mm. I mean, you, of course, you have every they, right to correct me there. They have a shitload of history, and more recently, they have a decent manager. That is that, yeah. What are they? Is that the key? I mean, is it just about good coaching, good managerial uh, systems, setups, and and just well disciplined players? Because that's the if one you, thing I know. If you, if you compare well- Vance to, for example, Dijon are currently bottom of the table having two years ago been an exciting and interesting team mm. and now they're being kind of badly managed and not they are less than the sum of their parts whereas Raz are more than the sum of their parts because they're being well organized I think and so it's uh, it's one of those things where this is early in the season, so you're going to take some chances, you're going to you know, get some points in the, on the board, but they, they are a, a sensible group of players, which seems an odd thing to say, but that's what they seem to be, that they right, right. will be able to move forward like this without being too uppy-downy. Mm. Well, Ramps, I think, are a perfect example of you don't have to have fantastic players mm. to achieve things in, in Liga. You know, you look at, you look at Ramps, you look at well, a team that we'll come on to later in Angers. Yeah. There's, no, there's no spectacular player that's head and shoulders above everyone else. It's just a, you know, a group of players working hard, listening to the coach, um, you know, fulfilling his instructions and ultimately giving a damn. And, and you know, if, if you can combine all of that and perform that week in, week out, chances are you're going to make a success of things. Now, yeah. of course, there's, the, there's the, success, be... the success is completely based on your own, it's subjective, of course, what, what success looks like. Success for different teams will be different things. But success for a team like Rams, success for a team like Angers is first and foremost ensuring league and survival, is then building on that. Anything beyond that is obviously a, a fantastic result. 
But their, their, their target, first and foremost, is stay in the league. Then we can build on top of that. Then we can build on top of that. And of course, you know, you look at the, the squad that Rams have got, and there really isn't any players that you would jump out on that page, even as, as particularly, uh, particularly good players. I, don't think, I think what they are, as I say, is just a group of players working together. I mean, it's helped that they've been able to sell on key players, but also then manage to replace them. And again, that is praise to the management and the structure behind the scenes that they're able to But also, to they've that. not done that to an extreme degree. We've seen that with um, Neem as well as Dijon. They've sold so many key players, they're now scrabbling to get things back together. I think uh, Raz have managed to hold... They've sold some what good ones, but they've held on to some good ones, so they've still got that level of consistency that's, that's moving forward. Mm. You know, well, speaking of, and we've got so many teams to get through, so we, we must press forward. But speaking of teams under pressure, we'll, we'll, we'll keep it negative. Well, we've gone from, from negative to positive. We'll go back to negative. Uh, Chez, I'm going to come to you on St. Etienne. Uh, discuss. I mean, there, there has to be pressure at this stage um, on, on, on the setup, on, on everything, because they are sitting second bottom. Um, I I can't work out what's gone wrong with them. Um, maybe it's something that I'm missing. I haven't watched a huge amount of a full 90 minutes of them, I must confess. But in what I've seen of them, it just has been completely devoid of any confidence. What What is your take on that? I think there's a, there's a mixture of things. It's, it's a bizarre situation because uh, during the summer after Gasset retired, um, a lot of players sort of very much pinned themselves to the to the kind of gasse mast and um sort of said if if he goes i go mm. um and i think one of the reasons that Patton was given the job is because he is sort of very linked to to gasse and it did feel like a kind of continuity both in terms of you know giving the job to the assistant coach but also um, a similar kind of personality, similar coaching setup, and probably to appease players like Villa and, um, ironically, Cabela, and, and get them to stay. And in the end, Cabela went because he got a much better offer, and Villa almost did as well. Um, I do think Platon is a talented coach, but maybe he's one of those ones who's, who's possibly, you know, kind of Brian Kidd type, who's not necessarily the greatest sort of frontline. Um, head coach material um, but in their defence as well I still first of all don't think that they've got a decent centre forward I don't think Kazri's a centre forward Northdown's good but too young Berich is extremely inconsistent a bit injury prone so I don't think that helps matters um, in defence Perrin sadly much as I love him, I think is is looking more and more past it by the game. Saliba has been injured and has barely played. Um, Makudi is looking like it's going to take him a little bit of time to adjust to to the step up in division. Um, now, on top of that, they've got um, uh, an injury to to Ruffier and even their their second goalkeeper Moulin was injured. Uh, yesterday, so for the third goalkeeper had to come in. So uh, there is a there is a mixture of factors there, but clearly there there's there's more than that going on. I mean, the, the, it's still early in the season, and and yes, Saint Etienne should be sort of 
top three maybe rather than bottom three right now but um it still should be too early to be thinking in terms of, of firing coaches so the fact that both Kayatso and Romay are clearly sort of taking steps to look for look for a replacement coach and you know, the, the the reports this week were that Romaya actually asked Printemps to leave and he refused, so he's sort of clinging on there. Um, clearly, there's, it seems that there's more to it than just a simple uh, bad start to the season. But I do, I, to be fair, I do think I still don't understand, as well as they did last year, I don't even understand how Saint-Étienne function when you've got, is, is it the push-me-pull-you in Dr. Doolittle? Yeah. Like Romaya and Kayatso, who were kind of, rival presidents who seem to have a huge overlap in their job. It's actually more click up than last year because last year there was Dominic Postor as well, but he's retired. Um, so you've got you know, Kayatso on one hand ringing Claude Puel and asking if he wants the job and Romaya ringing, I can't remember who now, was certainly ringing uh, Praton. Well, they were after Gasset, weren't they trying to tempt Gasset back? Yeah, yeah so was, I think he was ringing Gasset to try to persuade him. So, I mean, to be honest, ideally, because I, uh, I really do like Pranton as a person, I'd love it if Gasset came in and Pranton just went back to his previous role. I'm not sure if that's doable. But, yeah, the, the whole thing seems... It seems like there is stuff going on there that we don't know about, but even but clearly it's it's affecting the, the players on the pitch. Boudabou's is disappointed hugely since he's come back. Mm. Kabai looks like he should have retired a couple of years ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just, I mean, there were some of the signings I think were good, good names, but possibly not the, the right players to bring in. No. Yeah, I, I think just looking at, obviously they've got the um, Europa League as well. So they lost their first one against Ghent, away against 3 2. They're playing Wolfsburg mm. uh, next midweek. Could have been a lot more, is, by the way. That it is, is going to be problematic. Mm. But you look at that lineup, and they've got Budabuz, Mvia, Hamuma, who we all love, up front, Beric, Buana, Buanga, Monipake. It's. But it, nothing seems to be gelling, which is the. Uh, problem we've got with some other teams who are lower down there but to be 19th at this stage it's like it's early in the season but it's seven games in and then 19th that's not where Saint-Étienne historically would be where their fans want them to be so that pressure is going to mount and mount I think and you look at that defence and as just said Perez was brilliant but is maybe now you know moving out you've got Colo and whatever Debushi has come in but he, again he's somebody from a previous era and now if Rufio is injured which looks like uh, it could take him out for several weeks at least this could be problematic and it could continue for several more weeks, at which point, obviously, everything becomes more pointed. But also, yeah. you, look at, you look at the all those players that you named, you know, Kabai and Villa, Hamuma, Kazri, um, mm. Budabu's, players like that. 
on their day, they're all fantastic players. But but Kabai is a bit different. I think you know he he is well past it. But it you know, we'll come on later to to Leon. Maybe touch on Owa. If I you know I wouldn't want any of those players in the trenches with me. I know it's <laughs> a bad English football cliche, but they're all great when they want to be. But when a team even if it's just because of a bad start and you know it's not like they're fighting relegation but even at this stage of the season when they need to find some form there's not many of those players that i think you know what they're going to just roll up their sleeves and um yeah. do whatever needs to be done to get a win they're the You'd kind pick of the rounds players wouldn't you yeah I, well, yeah i mean yeah. lots of players not ju- not just us i think but it's unfair to kind just of, yes I, I just, I just, yeah, it's just, they just look like a shadow. They, they sort of almost reminds me of what's happening to, you say about the Europa League curse, almost like similar to what's happening to Wolves in terms of that just something isn't clicking. And you know that there is a side in there, but how good a side, not sure. But a side that I do want to talk about now is Angers. Um, Rich, you, you, you're going to have this one, you lucky boy. Um, <laughs> what are they doing so well? Is this just the classic case of, and I, I don't want to, pigeonhole them as, as the momentum team but there is always that one team in every league in every country you know it starts and they just get wins and they just click and they ride that that wave am I missing something because it's not just the wave now it, it, I mean they are it, it's tidal all of a sudden you know they're, they're four wins out of five they're second in Liga, technically joint top um I don't think any of us think it will last for the season but what is what is the key to their success based upon these these first seven games? You think uh, to to give it a neat little two word answer? It's Stefan Muller. Um, it's the it's the coach. Um, you know, I'll go back to what we were saying about Rams and and having that group of players that that listen to the coach, respect the coach, will will work with him, work for him, and work together, and it. it it brings about success. It brings about you know, a, you know a, a run of excellent form, and that's exactly what Angers are doing. You know, we all feared the worst for them when, yet again, they're sort of Angers were a team that seemed to be able to produce a star player every, seemingly every season. Uh, and obviously, um, it was Jeff Rainer Adelaide's turn to, to to move on and bring the money in for for, for Angers. And we did fear. You know, he obviously finished the season really strongly, had a good summer um, and started the season strongly. We did think, is this is this going to be one big name sold too much, if you see what I mean? They're, you know, they, they've been able to sell on the, their big name players, but also been able to find and, and bring in um, a replacement. Now, this this season, obviously, they, they didn't sell the player in the summer. They sold him a couple of games into the season and we felt... Were the players able to respond? Was Mulan able to to get the best out of the squad to to cope with that kind of loss? And you have to say, seven games in, they've responded spectacularly. You know, you, you take the performance against um, against Saint-Étienne. They went a goal behind uh, in, in the first half. Angers of old may have been a team that might have struggled to get back into that game. But they didn't. They responded fantastic. Ninja, Ninja, oh, oh. Jonathan Pearson. <laughs> Hang my head in shame. <laughs> Svinninga came on uh, in the second half and single-handedly changed the game. Um, so, 
Angers, it's just yet another example of scratch below the surface of Ligue 1. And there are these teams with these sort of excellent uh, setups, excellent coaches. They're not fashionable. They're not particularly well known. There's nothing flashy about anything to do with, with Angers in terms of the players, the squad, the coaches. But there's just something about them that just works. And it's, it's from top to bottom with Angers. It's, it's the club recognising that they can sell a player like Jeffrey and Adelaide to bring in that money, big money for them, that they can that they can sell that. But then also having the trust in Moulin, having the trust in the players that are already there, that they as a, as a group, as a collective, can ride that out. That they can actually live with... And, and survive with having lo- you know, having lost a player to the degree of, of, of Rainer Adelaide, that that's not the devastating knockout blow to the club. And it is the credit, I definitely think, it's, he's Ligue longest reigning coach as well, I think. He's been there a, a good number of years now. He knows the club inside out, and, and he's gained that respect and that trust from the board above him, but in turn, he's gained the trust and respect from the players that, that work underneath him. And it just is that cycle that works. You know, it's not spending beyond their means. They, it would be very easy to go out. You, know, you look at the money that they have brought in over the years with their, with their sales. Um, it's, it's, a, it's big money. It really is big money. And they could have easily gone out and spent a, a load of that to bring in some big name players, but they haven't. They've, they've spent within their means. They have continued to just build this cycle of a strong, um, a strong squad that work together. It works for them in the league. Every, every season I have the fear, is this Angers season that they're going to finally sort of just drop out of the league? Because you think they can't keep doing this. Yet they do. Mm. Um, they they do seem to be able to pick out these gems, and they are a brilliant proponent of of looking at league. Yeah, I, and, I think, and bringing um, those players and bringing those players, recognizing the quality and bringing those players through, because you can see the sales that they have made to some big name, big clubs in Europe. A number of those players have come from the second tier that the likes of Moulin have identified, brought in, trusted, played and then reap the benefits of, of their performance and ultimately the financial benefits of them being sold. So yeah. It's a really good operation that they've got there. Long may it continue because it's, it's fantastic to see and long may it continue that they're playing as, as well as they are in the league. I think um, when they came up, uh, their first season, they were the defence was awesome and that's why they were very high up in the table early on and settled in mid-table after that but um, now they seem to have gone almost the other way that if you look at that um, attack lineup, they got Aliwi, Barkin Ninga Chiob, which they got from um, Neem, I believe they've got a really pointed attack now with that decent defence They've always been a very balanced team, and it's kind of um, uh, the first t- the first couple of seasons they were up. It was like we'll be more defensive. Now they're pushing more, 
and but it's a really well organized unit rather than having any stars and i think that's what's um you know doing them well so far and well they will probably maybe drop off a little bit they're always they're going to stay that solid i think and that's going to be something that's um very nice to see um when they're you know causing trouble uh, yeah. to the higher ranking teams and giving them something to think about yeah it makes the league more competitive as well when you've got teams mm. that, that overperform almost and um, jess i want to give you sort of a batch of two teams here because i look at them almost in a similar vein um can i just quickly add one thing on Angers? Yeah. Um, and just sort of backing up rich's praise of, of stefan moulin um the commentators always love it when a when a manager brings on a, a sub and, and they score immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, Angers substitutes have scored more goals than any other team in the in the top five leagues in Europe. Now that's a stat. That, did you find that one yourself? Be honest. No. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Still, it's a good one though. It is a good one. Um, and substitutes in the modern modern game, huge part, change games at the end of the day. So that is quite the stat. Yeah, I'm going to keep hold of that one. Um, I want to ask you about Bordeaux and Nolte. Um, Just your general thoughts on, on whether these two are overperforming in terms of where we are at the moment. Nantes, um, four, in, four wins in five. Uh, Bordeaux with that win last night, that's three wins in five now and, and undefeated. They've drawn a couple of games in that run as well. Um, sitting in fourth and fifth, respectively. Uh, what, what's sort of come about the turnaround for, for both, both Nantes and Bordeaux in terms of, if nothing else, consistency? finding a level and, and winning winning games at a more consistent level. What do you put their, their success down to so far? Uh, well, I think it sort of comes in different directions. Not finished the season relatively well, I think, last year mm. and, and ended up finishing, I think, um, top half of the table, which which is an achievement considering everything that they, they went through throughout the season. And then they had a ridiculously disrupted summer um, barely brought anyone of noted, and obviously Halidzic left quite late in the summer. So uh, there might be an element of just playing with a lot of freedom. Um, Christian Gukuf, I think he uh, it helped. he certainly added something. I think I, uh, I don't think anyone would dispute that he's an extremely good coach. Um, sometimes I think he comes across as a sort of moody, bitter old dinosaur, but I think that's actually the image that he. He uh, encourages himself, yeah. Um, but you know, clearly he's a good manager. Clearly he's a uh, you know comfortable in in that in that region, managing in that in that area of France anyway. Um, so I think that that sort of works well so far. At some point, I assume that him and Keita are going to have a massive row, but certainly at the moment it's going well. Um, Koulibaly and Toure are, are having a really good. Uh, sort of scoring streak between them. They've got some young talents like Bamba, who looks really exciting. Um, and it's all the more impressive because they also had the disruption of, of, of losing their, their captain, a sort of talismanic midfielder in Rangier. So um, it, it, what they're doing so far, I think, is, is probably... Um, it's kind of, on one side, it's sort of carrying on where they loft, left off last season but on the other side it's very much kind of confounding expectations I think because in a way nothing has gone their way in terms of the, the sort of playing staff 
Um, and obviously, Rich won't like to hear it, but it's always great for the confidence to to um, to, to beat a rival in a derby. And, and you know, Lafon, who's come in, who hasn't necessarily been superb so far, but um, I think he saved a penalty yesterday, mm, which yes, is confidence too. Um, I still think Palois is a, is a pretty underrated defender. And then, um, yeah, the, like I said, young talents, they brought in Ludovic Blas. They're very, is it? Coco was at not, wasn't he? I mean, he moved to Nantes and got that injury. Yes. So again, more, more disruption there. So I think it's all the more to their credit that they're, they're doing as well as they are. Borgdois are also confounding expectations, but in a different way, because they finished last season terribly. From memory, possibly they won their last match, but lost the six before that or something like that. And also a kind of a very disrupted summer in terms of um, the the sort of management <laughs> very much having some some strange views on which players should come in, which players shouldn't, um, who they wanted to spend money on, who they didn't. Basically it's pretty much spent all their money on a on a 34-year-old defender. Um, and so I don't think anyone was expecting too much from them. Um, I think probably if I'd have had to put money on it at the start of the season, I probably would have put money on Sosa being the first manager to 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 go mm. I'd have put it on him quitting rather than being fired um and so I, I suppose in in a way a bit like Anshir I I personally would credit to a huge extent um Sosa for for the start that Bordeaux have made um I think maybe with hindsight last season the end of last season was a chance for him to kind of experiment and settle on his favourite formation. Um, he didn't get the players in that he wanted to, but he's still getting the best out of them. He's still got players like Priyan, who are still um, you know, scoring, not prolifically, but still coming up with important goals. And again, there's just a very good spine there from you know, Costil, Koscielny, who is on very much on the wrong side of 30, but has started well for Bordeaux and, and providing them with some good leadership. And they, again, like Angers, they don't have, they don't have anyone who looks like they're going to score 20 goals a season, but they've, they look like they've got a good number of players who can score goals. And as long as they stay mean in defence, then they, they're going to grab victories somewhere. And certainly, you mentioned him earlier, the fact that Yassin Adli has got his first two goals in League A yesterday. And his celebration certainly looked like it was a big sort of release of pent-up tension and worry. Hopefully, that will free him more and we can see more of the, the, the huge talent that we know he is. Um, again, I'm not absolutely convinced it's going to last throughout the season, but they've certainly started a hell of a lot better than I would have thought. And, and yeah, I think that's got to be... All to the credit of Sousa, because and in both cases, Sousa and Gorkouf, they've had very little help. Whereas Angers um, do seem extremely well run, uh, Bordeaux and Nantes in recent years certainly don't. And so, for them to be doing so well on the pitch, I think is is particularly impressive. Yeah, yeah, well said, well said. And um, I do, I do unfortunately have to bring it sort of full circle to to teams that are, are a little bit struggling. Um, Phil, I'll give you the smoking gun that is is Leon. Um, <laughs> hmm. what, what, 
what's going on there? Because it was such a bright start to the season. Now three draws and two defeats in five. They're sitting in it's, the The fans appear to be um, asking what is going on. Mm. And that's their fans who like look at everything all the time. Um, and so Lyon are in 11th right now. And Nantes are fourth. And this game on Friday, is it Friday or is it Saturday? Are we all doing Saturday? It's a very, it's a very early Saturday kickoff. Yeah. Yes, it's a lunchtime Saturday kickoff for reasons I don't understand. But Lyon versus Nantes is going to be big because they've put in some good performances, but not not um, actually got the points out of them. And uh, we look back at the uh, Champions League. So they drew at home against Zenit, 1-1. Depay got a goal. Uh, they're going to be away at Leipzig uh, next week. They're at home at Nantes this weekend. It, we always uh, go back to um, our friend Tarek Amir, uh, who writes about them, talking about they're consistently inconsistent. And I think they're still doing that at the moment, and they need to change change that to to be uh, to be reliable. Because it does appear to be very much up and down right now. And it's strange. If you look at their... They haven't won in the last five. Because it's all been up, down, sideways, whatever. Stodgy. Very, very odd, given, again, given the... Uh, quality of players they've got, and it's not just the attacking players. It's you know, Danea as captain has really seemed to make a difference and en- you know, energise the backline. And as you know, Lopez is is um, a great keeper, but it's just uh, just a bit of a mess right now. So yeah, this game on. Um, Saturday lunchtime, it's going to be very interesting to see if they can, you know, hold off Nantes, who don't have, you know, a massively pointed attack, but have been doing very well, and work from that to the European game next week. But which is this? Could, this this I mean that could be nasty. Yeah, they can't pull themselves together. So I got a sneaky suspicion not to win that game. I don't know. I'm not not sure. I'm yeah. ready to put money on it, but I just got a sneaking suspicion they they oh. might might win that game. Yeah, not not great for uh, for for Leon. I, I do want to almost in customary fashion want to finish with with Monaco um, <laughs> this week because it, it wouldn't be a part if we didn't. Uh, Rich, I'll start with you on this one. What what's your What's your feelings? Is that win a turning point in terms of uh, it was a big win, the the three one over over Nice. It does kind of stop the rot. They had drawn 
three of the last four prior to that win. Is this a, a turning point for, for Jardine, or, or do you just see this as a bit of a, a bit of a mucky plaster over a, a seeping pus-filled wound? As an image for you, that's very descriptive. Oh, um, that's, that's I think, I think for, for, for any to the pod. Um, for, for any other team, you would think, yes, a win over local rivals, first win of the season, would be a turning point. But this is Monaco, and this is in the last two years. So I'm not going to be painting everything rosy for Monaco, but it was a good win. Nice weren't at the races. It was a, it was a good Monaco win. Um, as, we, as we mentioned in the, in the intro, Golovin was, was fantastic. Long, long, long overdue. Um, maybe there are hints that, that it, it could be a, a turning point, but there's obviously a lot of provisos to that. You know, they're still persisting with that rickety defence that I don't know if, if I was a Monaco fan, I'd be trusting to hold up for, for many more games. But... I've liked the, uh, yeah, of course they'll do, because I'm as biased as they'll come. I've liked the look of, of Bakayoko since he's come back. Mm. He's certainly added something to that midfield. He's obviously got the league experience. Despite all the problems he had at Chelsea, I stand by that he is a good player. Um, you know, we saw it for Monaco. We saw it when he went out on loan um, to, to AC Milan. We know he can be a good player. He's, I think he has added something to that midfield that has been lacking. Um, there's a bit of fight about him. There's a bit of drive, which are all the attributes that we remember when he was at, at, um, at Monaco um, before Chelsea. They were all the attributes that, 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 that helped him thrive there. So I've been really good to see, to see him back. It's perhaps freed up. It's really difficult to make a judgment based off only one game, but we've got to try and find some positives in Monaco. Um, it perhaps has freed up um, Golovin. Um, the, the, you know, the fact that, that Bakayoko can take a lot of that defensive responsibility and perhaps free up Golovin to, to be that creative attacking midfielder that we know he can be. Ultimately, you know, he wasn't priced at £30 million for no reason. Um, there, there is a good player there. So, Bakayoko's return, I think, can free up Golovan to, to, to show what he is all about to a greater degree, far greater degree than what we've seen already during his time. Um, slightly different formation as well. Um, it, I can't say it looked massively more solid for, for Monaco at the back, but interestingly... Their first win of the season, um, it came without. Um, oh, I've done another Jonathan Pierce here. <laughs> and I completely, I've completely forgot. But it, it came. It came with um, with a slightly different formation, a slightly different defensive lineup. Maybe that's just luck. Maybe it's something a bit more than that. But it was a good performance. I mean, it's probably as far as we can go. For uh, for Monaco, there it was a good performance. It was a win, but I don't want anyone to think I'm getting ahead of myself in predicting a Monaco a Monaco turnaround. Yeah. Um, it's just something that was clearly needed. A performance from a number of players that was long overdue, um, and maybe you know Slimani is looking like a oh, he's looking something bordering a, a quality striker. We know Ben Yedder 
didn't start the game, but we know he's he's made a made an impact since joining. They've got John Kevin Agostan as well, so they've got options and they've got um, they have quality going forward. So I've quite I, I did quite like the fact that they slightly tweaked that formation for the game against Nice. The fact it's re- rewards. Hopefully Jardine can learn from that and can then build on that going forward because they've got the quality, I think, to get them out of this situation going forward. It's, it is those problems at the back. So first win under the belt. Will Jardine learn from that? There's probably a sort of TBC, I think, on, on Monaco in terms of a, of, a, of a longer-term judgment. But ultimately, it was a good performance. It was It was something that... Monaco fans will have, have missed, I think, for quite some time. Um, but I, I probably can't go beyond that in terms of whether this is any kind of turnaround for them. Yeah, yeah. I think you make some salient points then. And uh, Jez, you want to just piggyback off that with Monaco and just add a little bit on, on Leon as well? Yeah, so Monaco, I, I pretty much agree with everything Rich said. The, you know, the, the quality of the, the squad they've got, they're not going to go down. But at the same time, I can't see them really pulling up any trees. And um, as long as players like Jemison and Glick, who are um, uh, Jardim's favourites, are, are going to keep um, turning up, um, I think there's only so far they can go. Um, uh, I think in he's been quite lucky, actually, in, in this the sense of some, some of the players that he's ended up with who, who were nothing even to do with him. So Fabregas clearly came for, for Henri, hasn't been great for the most part, but, but had a good game this midweek. So in the same way that, that Rich said Golovin might be freed a bit more by Bakayoko, Fabregas could be too. Badia Shile, um, uh Jardim was adamant that he wanted to send him out on loan or sell him. Um, and, and they didn't get rid of him in the end. I think he's he's consistently still been good and shown the promise that he showed last year um so yeah I, I still think they'll do okay but I still I still think there's sort of deeper grained issues there and uh, yeah I, I've got confidence that Ben Yedder will keep scoring all season Slimani started well for Leicester as well so I'm, I'm less sure about him <laughs> they'll be fine but uh they you know it shouldn't even be a question they should be Frankly, they should be top two or three year in, year out. And mm. I think the fact that they're, they're not just shows how badly run they are at the moment. Um, and yeah, as, as for Lyon, I think um, <laughs> Rich sort of pretty much every match will, will uh, tweet a photo or a reference to, to Genesio and quite right too. Um, I, it was a... We talked about what a gamble it was bringing Janino and Silvino in, and there was an element of unknown. Janino, I think, will probably escape any kind of criticism, whatever happens, because he's such a legend. But um, Silvino, so far, you have to say that I know that the first two matches look particularly impressive, but you have to say that he looks, I think, out of his depth so far. Um, I'm not impressed with the comments he makes after matches, putting the blame on players or saying they lack confidence. Surely, as much as anything, that's that's his job to sort out. Um, I think his substitutions are bizarre. Um, you know, Dembele was probably Lyon's best player on the pitch yesterday. Um, and when they needed a goal, he took him off. Um, he changed formations yesterday, fine, but it was bizarre to 
to start Traore as the number 10. It didn't work. To be fair to him, he, he moved Terrier to number 10. That did seem to work. So then he took Terrier off. Well, no, t- not <laughs> didn't take him off, but moved him back to the wing when he made a substitution. At, at the end, okay, they, they only had a couple of minutes after the, the breast equaliser, but he still had another substitution to make. He didn't make it. You'd have thought he'd have tried something different at that point. Um, and the fact that Lyon are conceding these late goals, um, it's been sort of three, four matches now, um, there's issues there, whether, whether, it's, uh, whether it is confidence. I'm not sure confidence is, is, is a reason for conceding late goals, possibly fitness, possibly still a little bit of arrogance, possibly fear. I don't know, but there are problems there which are not being, you know, that even if they're similar problems to last year, they're not being solved. If anything, they're, they're, they're getting worse. Um, and at least, <laughs> we always joke about how at least Leon raised themselves for, for the big matches. Uh, I wouldn't say that they didn't raise themselves last year. It wasn't that they, last week against PSG, rather, it wasn't that they had a bad match. And in the first half, certainly for the first 20 minutes, it really was end-to-end. And for probably most of the second half, they contained PSG and it looked like it was going to peter out until Neymar's a little bit of genius. But as, as Phil mentioned earlier, it was it was the fact that, oh no, whoever it was mentioned it earlier, I don't know. Anyway, it was the fact that they looked like they came to get a nil-nil draw at home in a stadium where they've got a very good record against PSG. In a recent run of home results in, in the Gerland as well, where they've got a good run against PSG. And, you know, if we, as we've seen against Strasbourg, PSG were lucky. They lost in midweek. This PSG team was there for the taking. Um, and it's so t- to me, um, however much you want to blame certain players, Depay, for example, as usual, blowing hot and cold. Awa, as usual, sort of, he's had his one good match for the season. So presumably he'll, he'll just rest on his, the laurels of being the, the darling of the Lyon fans. who's completely exempt from any criticism. Um, it, it, I think the buck has to stop with Silvino, and I think he does seem, unfortunately, to be the main problem there. And talked about the Nantes match and the and the Leipzig match. The next match and the last match before the the uh, the next international break is away to Saint Etienne. For that, I mean, obviously, lots to you know win the next two matches and the pressure will be slightly more off, but struggle in those two and then lose at Saint-Étienne. I think Silvino might not last the international break. No. Okay. The, 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 litmus, the, the litmus test, rather, was that for, for, for the, all the just and unjust criticism that Genesio got, he ultimately got Lyon top three season after season. He got them performing to a you know, a reasonable standard in Europe. Yeah, okay, he, you know, the ball was dropped against some lesser teams, but he ultimately got what Leon wanted season in, season out, which was just keep bringing in that, that Champions League football, and, or European football, rather, and, and Genesio achieved that. Now, can I sit here right now and say that, I know it's only seven games in, but can I say seven games in, do I see this Leon team finishing top three absolutely 100% certain. I don't know. I don't think under, under Sylvania, I don't think I can necessarily say that, mm. you know, and that, that's crazy to say about Leon for, for all their 
you know, all the history that they've got, all the, the quality players that they've had go through the books and they've brought through books. And still, that squad is far, far better than 99% of the other squads in Ligue 1. Yet, they have, they have made that gamble, the gamble that they didn't need to take, let's be perfectly honest, they didn't need to take that gamble to bring in Silvino. Maybe it was the gamble that they had to take because they desperately wanted Janinho to come in. And, but I've seen Leon fans start to perhaps question Janinho. Yes, as, as Jez rightfully said, he's going to have a far bigger, bigger leash in terms of 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 how how long until he gets criticism because of the history that he's got, but ultimately Janino is is sporting director. He needs to take a bit more responsibility for. He was the one that obviously was pushing for Silvino to come in as coach. I've not been impressed, as Jez has said, with with Silvino's performance as coach. I don't necessarily think the players are understanding what he wants, so they're not they're not replicating that and producing that on the pitch. Um, the bigger the bigger name players perhaps don't necessarily have that that level of respect, and certainly it doesn't take a lot for someone like Depay to to start dreaming about his move to you know, Manchester City or whatever club that he, he fancies this week that he thinks he could play for. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm not sure. I, at this moment in time, I can say with a hundred percent confidence that Leon are going to finish top three, and for. For that to be the answer, you have to think changes are going to have to be made potentially sooner rather than later. And that really can only mean one thing, and that's a change change of coach because, you know, they, they, they upset a bit of an apple cart, I think, internally by getting rid of Genesio. Obviously, it was what, what the fans wanted for some crazy reason. Uh, the fans have got that. The fans have seen a, a return of, a, of a, an absolute hero in Janino. But, you know, you, you've had to take the, the rough with the smooth. And yes, you've seen Janino come back, but you've also then seen a, a pretty much a rookie manager come in and so far has looked pretty found out very, very quickly. So it's it's not been impressive for, for Leon, And things, I think, will have to change relatively quickly. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, agreed. It's um, one thing's for sure. Um, it, it's it's been it's been a busy pod, um, and it's uh, there's a lot of a lot of teams that are either very overperforming or very underperforming in this league at the moment. It doesn't seem to be any team that you look at and you just go, yeah, they're kind of doing what we expect. Hello, Ren. Yeah, all right, maybe two. But other than those, um, I think the rest of the league is pretty much um, either upside down or inside out. But we'll uh, we'll of course. Cover it, uh, cover it all in the coming weeks. I think we will probably leave it there for this week, other than to say there is, of course, European action next week. Um, so we will be across as much of that as we can, depending on when we record. Uh, but yeah, PSG, Lyon in Champions League action, and Lille, of course. And there I forget Lille. Um, and then we've got St Etienne in uh, Europa League action, um, as well as who else is playing in the Europa League? I've Completely lost my pictures. Where have they all gone? Ben. Thank you. Ben. I honestly wasn't doing that deliberately, Rich, at all. <laughs> Where? I was frantically trying to buy myself time to work out how Ren was playing. But yes, indeed. Um, he said they're in, they're in Rome. They're playing Lazio. At the uh, weekend, uh, we've got Leon Nantes. Um, yes. Going to be 
interesting on Saturday lunchtime. And we finish up with Marseille Ren on Sunday evening, which again could be interesting because two teams that are possibly a little bit cross about how things are going so far. So that could be an interesting one. Yeah, I quite like the look of, um, uh, oh, I've just lost pictures once again. The Sunday, is it the Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening? Mm -hmm. No, I've lost my thought. Nîmes Saint-Étienne is uh, the sort yeah. of middle game of the three on the on the Sunday, which... I was looking at Monaco Brest. But yeah, you're absolutely right. That that one is that probably... Could, yeah, that could be a bye-bye a printal. Yeah. I, I was, I was, Monaco Brest caught my eye on the, on the Saturday evening game just because... Um, Monaco need to springboard from that performance, but I wonder how Brest might do, given their fighting fighting spirit against. Well, Brest, Brest have made a really good start, I think. Actually. They really have, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Neil, nice Neil as well. The battle of the uh, the Ritz. That's the highlight one for me, I think. Yeah, that's also a Saturday night game. Uh, Bordeaux PSG is the afternoon game um, on the Saturday as well. So, a few games to to get tucked into there. Um, I think, and, and as you say, the Sunday evening game, Marseille Ren could be, could be tasty. But we will, we will tuck into those uh, this time next week. I say this time next week. I say we will let you know when we're recording when we know. Um, Breaking news: Jeremy Menez has signed for Paris. I just saw yeah, him. I saw that earlier. His little bit sweet. He's a wonderful man. I hope it goes yeah. well for him, um, but not too well because Lorient are having a wonderful old season right now. So let's not. Let's not bring in players that are going to score against them, eh? Um, <laughs> yeah, but you, you, things change, Jez, you know? Things change. It's like that curse of the manager who sacked before your team plays them. You know that old curse? Yeah. Yes. Bring in a player that, that, that performs and suddenly uh, your, your promotion challenge is up in the air. But we'll leave Liga for another day. Um, let's just keep doing what we're doing, eh, boys? Anywho, um, we will leave it there for this week. Uh, as I say, we have sort of Got a bit of a bumper pod this week because we had a lot of teams to, to cover and a lot of things to um to go back over. So hopefully you've enjoyed this uh, this bumper edition. Like I say, we'll be back next week with a review of the weekend's action and either a preview or slight review of any games that have been played in Europe. Uh, good luck, of course, to the French sides in European competition next week. Uh, hopefully we have a better time of it. Uh, although I'm sure PSG will be hoping that they can continue where they left off against Real Madrid. We shall see. Uh, but for tonight, uh, just remains me to thank my panellists. So thank you very much to Phil, to Jez and to Rich. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, as I say, we'll be back next week. Keep an eye on our Twitter feed as usual. Um, we will, of course, ask for questions if we've got time. So get them in nice and early. But uh, thank you very much for listening. As always, enjoy your French football. And we will speak to you very soon. <laughs>